Isaiah 53. Just one verse of scripture. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna try to be long tonight, but I do know what the Lord imparted. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we all inclusive nobody left out we are healed for the next little while if you'll let me and the lord helps me i want to preach to you the precious blood of jesus the precious blood of jesus if you'll put your bibles iphones ipads whatever it is away and just put your hands together and just begin to give god some praise just begin to tell jesus you love him We, you may be seated. We sing songs, and if I'm too loud, so I'm on pastor's mic, so please adjust it. But we sing songs like, nothing but the blood. And it has lyrics like, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We also sing there is power in the blood. Would you be free from your burden of sin? Oh, there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonder working power in the blood. We sing a song called the blood and it goes something like this. It says the blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. Oh, it's the blood and it gives me strength. I'm probably mixing some lyrics there because I'm not good at all the songs, but I'm telling you, it says it gives me strength from day to day. The blood of Jesus uh, is everything that we need. Uh, the blood of Jesus uh, is the beginning of all things. Uh, the blood of Jesus uh, covers all things. The blood of Jesus answers all things. Uh, the blood of Jesus, when applied, uh, it hides all things. Uh, the blood of Jesus, when applied, uh, it redeems all things. Uh, it makes all things new. But in order to fully understand and appreciate the gravity, the significance, and the application of the blood, we must know the origin. Most would say that the blood originated at Calvary. And while I agree with that, Scripture says something just a little bit different. Revelation 13 and 8, speaking of Jesus Christ, says that Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. First Peter 1 and 19 says, But the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for you. The blood, it showed up at Calvary. But it didn't originate there. <laughs> it was predetermined in the mind of God from the foundation of the world. It was preordained at Calvary, but it became manifest at the birth of Christ. Calvary didn't catch God by surprise. Calvary wasn't an afterthought. Calvary was already in the mind of God in the process of creation. Woo. 
John 1 and 1 says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Word here defined in the original is logos. It means the saying or spoken word, decree or mandate which we know. But it also means the thought process and the reasoning of God. Calvary was in the mindset of God in the process of creation. John 1 and 14 says in that word, that thought process, that reasoning was made flesh. And John Genesis 1 and 26 says, And God said, Let us make man in our life after in our image after our likeness. God saw himself in the, ink, in the beginning of time, in the process of creation. God saw himself in humanity. So God made humanity as he saw himself in the future. That's why I say the blood, it, may, it showed itself, it manifested, but it didn't originate at Calvary. It just became applicable. It became necessary. Oh, <laughs> When God made man generic, the Bible tells us that he made male and female in its present state of righteousness. When he made Adam and he made Eve, they were in a present state of righteousness, just like God. Revelation 1 and 8 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. Because God is the beginning and the ending. He knows the beginning from the end. And He knows everything in between. Like I say, nothing catches God by surprise. Oh, it might catch us by surprise, but God saw it. God knew ahead of time it was already on its way. God knew ahead of time that if you made decision A, B, and C, that you would end up at point D. But if you made decision X and Y, you would end up, you would be at point Z. God knew, God knows every decision and every possibility to everything that takes place. Nothing catches God by surprise. You and I, I'm not going to be the first person that, that is able to put a yard sign in the front of their house saying God got caught off guard. Huh? Not going to happen. God knew in the process of creation that there was the possibility that man would sin. The man would commit an action that would break the covenant, the, co the communication between them and between him, bringing a separation that would one day be, need to be restored. He knew in advance that it would need to be done that way. Oh, this might be a little simplistic, but you know what? I think sometimes we need to go back to the simplicity of the word. We can get caught up in the deep things. We can get so caught up in the far out things that we lose sight of what really matters. God wasn't caught by surprise with what Adam did. Nor, and Calvary was not an afterthought. Like I said, it was already in the mind of God. Genesis 2 and 16 says, The Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. Some would say that the tree was a trap. Some would say that the tree was a setup. But the reality of it is, is the tree was the option of choice. 
Am I going to choose me or am I going to choose God? Am I going to choose the pursuits of my life and the things that I think would benefit me, whether they be good or they be bad, positive or they be negative, or am I going to choose to obey what God said? God said of every tree you could freely eat. There was no end to that provision. God even gave him something to do. God gave him a task to do. It is good for people when they, for each and every one of us, when our relationship with God to stay joined to the work of God. Because the moment Adam took his eyes off of what he was supposed to be doing, he set his eyes on something he wasn't supposed to have. Man was created with the purpose of relationship. True relationship, though, is not something that is forced. True relationship, it effervesces out of the will of man and his or her ability to choose. So when Adam sinned, he chose something else than, uh, something else than God. His violation uh, was a breaking of the commandment of God. God doesn't mind if you want something in addition, but God is not about to let you replace Him with something else. That was the issue. But Genesis says, Genesis 2 and 17 tells us that, that the penalty for Adam's action would surely be death. It doesn't say immediately. It's one thing I like about that book. It means what it says, and it says what it means. It said surely, meaning the death would be appointed at some time. That's why when God came, when Adam sinned, and they went and hid, Adam and Eve went and hid themselves, and God came down, He gave them the opportunity to admit what had taken place. I'm going to tell you now, repentance is easy. Telling God you're sorry and even turning away from it, that's the easy part. Owning up to it, on the other hand, how many times have you told your child, son, or daughter, it'd be better if you just go on and tell the truth? Don't worry about the consequence. The consequence is going to be a lot less if you go on and tell the truth. But if you lie to me, it's going to be on. You, you're going to wish you hadn't lied. Been there. Grew up that way. <laughs> I just thought I didn't want that hand in my mama. I got to a point one time, my mama quit whipping me and started just going on just whooping. <laughs> she, she transferred. Sometimes we're afraid of the latter. We fear more about because we don't understand God. Hmm. Leviticus says it like this. Leviticus 17 and 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. So because Adam sinned, something had to die. Life. In life of the flesh is in the blood. Genesis 3 tells us that what God did when Adam owned up and Eve owned up, yeah, they played the blame game, but they owned up and they admitted what they did. The Bible says that God went ahead and killed an animal, and he made them a coat of skins. The skins were to cover their nakedness, but the blood that was applied was to cover their sin. <laughs> I was reading it today, and I realized something. In the process of creation, did you know that when God made man in the selfsame day, He made the animals? He knew that man would need a covering immediately, so God already had that covering immediately available. Yeah, go ahead and tell me things catch God by surprise. They were eating of the trees. They weren't even eating meat. They didn't have nothing to kill no animal with. So why in the world would they need animals? Why in the world would they need something that had 
It's life in the blood. Revelation 13 and 8, like I said, says that Jesus Christ was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I know for a fact, based on what Scripture says and what it denotes, that the animal that was killed to cover the, to cover the sin of Adam and Eve was a lamb. Because God doesn't make mistakes with what He said. <laughs> Job 14 and 1 says, Man that is born of woman is just a few days old. It's just a few days and full of trouble. Romans 3 and, 3, 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can thank Adam for what he did, for what we're born into. But, but 1 John 2 and 1 says it like this. It says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. It's an admonition to not do something. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not only ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. I'm glad to know today that when Jesus Christ when Jesus Christ became manifest in flesh, that he was the propitiation. He was the substitution. He was the answer not just for my sin, but for the sins of my children, for the sins of the elders, for the sins of my children's children. Should he come, should he tarry his coming? Propitiation in the Hebrew. I love to know what words mean. First time I heard Bishop say when we moved here, words mean things. I flipped my head at her and she looked at me and said, hush. Because she's heard me say it. I love to know what, not all words. I don't care about all words. I like to know what words in the Bible mean. They're the ones that's everlasting. Some of them other ones I could care less. I read a book one time and the first page of it, I did, it had 17 words of it that I had to find definitions for. And I'm like, and I had to do this for my ministerial license. I'm like, oh my Lord, I'm an idiot. But when it comes to the Bible, <laughs> when it comes to that book, it tells you what they mean. That word propitiation in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, it is kaporeth and it means covering. There's a derivative of that Hebrew word and it's kofer. <laughs> and the, the English of that is pitch. First time you ever see the word pitch in the, in the Old Testament is where the ark is built. They pitched it within. They pitched it without. They conferred it within. They conferred it without. That word confer means atonement. You can't make it up. The ark was the only way out of the world. Jesus Christ was the way. There was only one door, three levels, plan of salvation. Jesus Christ being the way. Atonement inside, atonement outside. I'm going to leave that alone. Old Testament Greek says it's halisteria. It means mercy seat. You see, it, you see it at the tabernacle place. That's where the blood was applied. For what? <laughs> For the sins. God said, I got this. Nothing, nothing that's taking place is catching me by surprise. Whether it be the ark that Noah had to build, whether it be the ark that Moses had to build, whether it be the cross that Jesus had to carry, nothing is catching me by surprise. The sin of man is not catching me by surprise. And the sin of man is not out of my reach. Everything that man can, can do, I can redeem. If man will do one thing and make the application. See, the origin, 
makes the blood so much more important. It makes it so much more lovable and so much more pleasable to us, to our soul, because we know well, our flesh doesn't like it, but we know it makes it so much more palatable to our soul to know that we do have a way. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, it's halasmos. It means a substitute for the assumption of guilt. I'm perfectly okay. It means one who receives punishment for the vicarious actions of others committed. That blood that was shed at Calvary, foreordained, predetermined by God in creation wasn't just didn't just begin at Calvary it was shed from the foundation of the world it was shed at the first sin of man and it was carried out and made applicable all the way through the old testament until the until the sacrifices of lambs and rams and bullets could no more could no longer do it and god had to robe himself in flesh and become the ultimate sacrifice become the ultimate the ultimate uh, how do i want to say this the ultimate substitute for you and i when the Spirit of God overshadowed a virgin woman named Mary, and she gave birth to a man-child named Jesus, that child that she produced was the embodiment of God's Spirit in flesh. In the conception process, the child gets its blood from the Father. Blood type. It's blood comes, the DNA comes from the Father. So when you see, that's why Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father, for I and my Father are one. It wasn't some second person in the Godhead. It was God Himself manifest in flesh that decided in the process of creation that when the time comes, I'm going to robe myself in fallen sin in the sinful state of humanity and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept the guilt and the punishment for everything that's ever been done. That's why the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God are divinely linked. When Jesus was alive, He was flesh and blood. But when He died and gave up His life and that blood fell to the ground and He was resurrected from the grave, He resurrected as flesh and bone. But that life was no longer in the blood. That life was in the Spirit. That's why when you get baptized in Jesus' name, we are buried with Christ. That old man passes away and that new man comes out. That's why when you get the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's a exactly the same as God himself breathing into the nostrils of Adam. It's giving you a new life. You're born into sin. You're not born into a relationship with God. But when you get the Holy Ghost, when God, when the God, the pneuma of God begins to, begins to exert itself upon you, it, it brings you to life. And not only does it bring you to life here, like Paul said, if I had hope in this life only in Christ Jesus, the same Spirit which raised Him from the dead is the same Spirit that when that trump sounds, whether you be in the grave or you be walking on the face of the earth, it's going to resurrect you. It's going to lift you out of your mortal body, out of your mortal sin, into an eternity with Him. That's why Peter's response in Matthew 16 when Jesus said, he said, whom do you say that I am? He asked, he said, whom do others say first? And they went on and named a whole bunch of stuff. But then he said, whom do you say 
That personal revelation of Christ is more important than just knowing that he's, that, that he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. That, that there is only one. That personal revelation needs to take place in each and every one of us. And it needs to be restored. It needs to be renewed in each and every one of us. So we don't ever forget what the, the price that was paid and the wonderful working of the blood of Christ. We don't ever need to forget it. If you, when we come to church, when, when you're going through something and you can't praise God for, for anything that's taking place, go ahead and begin to praise Him for the blood. Go ahead and begin to praise Him for what He's done. Go ahead and begin to praise Him for the price that was paid. Go ahead and begin to praise Him uh, that you don't have to be the one that has to literally end your life uh, because of what was done. That you get to live. Uh, he died so you and I could live. Trust me when I tell you, things might get bad here, but they're never going to be as bad as that. They're never going to be as bad as carrying around the guilt and the shame and accepting the consequence for somebody else's action. Never are they going to be that bad. Never. Shut That's why Peter replied, he said, Thou, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. One Jewish scholar actually refer, actually reverses that he said thou art the son of the living God the Christ he puts it he flips it around one Jewish caller says he said when he had said son he's saying you're the bloodline extension of the one we've been believing in you're the bloodline extension of the one that's been promised you're the bloodline extension of the one that we haven't seen. You're the bloodline extension of the one that redeemed and covered Adam's sin. You're the bloodline extension that's made available for me. That's what Peter was saying. When he said, Thou art the Christ, he was saying, Thou art the Holy One, the Holy Savior, the Anointed One. You're the fulfillment of what Isaiah said when he said, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Uh, everybody's worried about what's going on with government. I, I'm concerned about it, but you know what? I know who's got it all in control. They could put whoever they want to in office, and I couldn't care less. I might not like the consequences that might come along with it, but you know what? God raises up kings, and God takes down kings. These things have to come to pass so that you and I can be where God wants us to be. We need to stop crying and whining about everything that's taking place and begin to put our trust in God. God's got this. Nothing catches God by surprise. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Oh, but it's rough right now. Yeah, guess what? It was rough in the middle of the, in the, middle of the sea when Jesus, uh, when the disciples were in the boat and then Jesus walked up and said, peace be still. It was rough when they were in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the sea, and Jesus was asleep in the, in the boat, and Jesus rose up and commanded the winds to stop. Yeah, it might be a little rough, but guess what? God has this. Nothing is catching God by surprise. Nothing is out of God's control. The declaration was important not only because it was a fulfillment of what was spoken. Isaiah 45 says, I am the Lord and there is none else. And there is no God beside me. John even asked, was there, was there another? Is there another? Jesus went on and just trucked right on. John, I'm going to leave you to sort that out. 
Donna, you, you trusted in me when things were going good. Now things aren't going so good, you're going to start to ask. You're going to start to look for another way. John, I'm going to let you work that out. <laughs> but it gave an immediate, the declaration gave an immediate relevance and an application for what was to be, for what was to come to pass. Because in Isaiah 45, the prophet said, the word of the Lord said, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I told you once, and I'll tell you again, I'll remind you, Calvary wasn't a surprise in the mind of God. Calvary was a process that ended with the cross. It wasn't just the cross, but it was a process that ended with the cross. But it began at the Garden of Gethsemane. When he went and he cried and he cried and he prayed for the cup to pass, the Bible says that he cried blood. It was the first place that Jesus ever shed blood. Hmm. Praying that he wouldn't have to go through in his humanity what he was going through. But said, God, if it's not, if not, if, you, if it's not your will to let this cup pass, then so be it. Second place we ever see the blood of Christ ever shed was at the whipping post. Isaiah worded it as such in 53 and 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. The blood shed at the whipping post was the answer to a Mosaic law. Deuteronomy 25 and 3 where it says that if there be a controversy between a righteous man and a wicked man, and the wicked man be found at fault, that the wicked man would be beaten with stripes before the judge. Scripture said he was our propitiation. He's a spotless lamb. There wasn't blemish. He willingly fulfilled the law. <laughs> when I look up the definitions, wounded, transgressions, bruised, iniquities, chastisement, and peace, I'm just going to read it to you in the course of the Scripture. Isaiah would have said it like this, but he was sorrowed or injured for our revolt, rebellion, and trespass. He was beat to pieces, smitten or oppressed for our perversity, moral evils, faults, and mischiefs. The punishment and the pain inflicted and the dishonor of our welfare being peace, our welfare, prosperity, safety, and freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions of fallen flesh was upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. By His stripes, we are made whole. By His stripes, we are redeemed. Romans 5 and 12, and I'm not going to be too much longer. Romans 5 and 12 says, Whereas by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Verse 18 says, There is by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That word condemnation means guiltiness. Every man without Christ, without the blood of Christ applied, is guilty of what Adam did. Just the way it goes. But God said, I, that's not the way I intended it to be. I intended for man to be in relationship. I can't, I'm not going to hold those that are subsequent in lineage accountable for what he did. I'm going to give them an opportunity. 
to live the way he didn't want to live. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. It was the precious blood that was shed at the whipping post that answered the punishment for all wickedness. It was the precious blood shed at the whipping post that brings healing for all manner of sickness. It was the precious blood shed on the cross at Calvary that answered the penalty, the requirement of sin. Romans 6 and 23 says the wages of sin is death, but it was the precious blood at Calvary that also gave the gift of God to each and every one of us, which is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I don't know where we'd be without that blood. Maybe we personally need to start singing more songs about the blood rather than all this charismatic hoopla that they play on the radio. Talking about it in our own personal lives here. Maybe we, all, maybe we need to go back to that. The Bible says that if I, God, Jesus said, if I be lifted high, I will draw all men. <laughs> Sometimes, maybe we need to get a refresher of what that blood really meant. The blood of Jesus was shed at each place for the entire world. Genesis 3 and 19 says, For dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. So every time the blood whether it be at the garden or it be at the whipping post or it be at the cross when blood and water flowed, every time it hit the dust, <laughs> it was the regeneration. It was for the redemption of the world. The redemption for each and every one of us. Redemption for every person in this area, this community, this region that's not here. Redemption for your lost loved ones. Redemption for the person that's walked away, that lived and walked with God, did just like Peter did and started warming themselves at other fires. <laughs> and then walked away. Went back to some other way. Or went and did something else. But God, Jesus went and found Peter. He went to the shore and he found Peter. And when he did, Peter said, you know what? I can't stay where I'm at. I got, I got to get out of this norm. I got to get out of what I've been hiding behind. I got to be, get out of what I've been hiding amongst. And I got to make my way to the one that I know redeems. The one that I had the revelation of. The one that I, that I saw so clearly. <laughs> but in the pressures of life, whether it be peer pressure, in the pressures of life, whether it be COVID-19 and everything that wears people out, I know the enemy's wearing people out. I know that he's wearing people out. But you know what? That blood, <laughs> when you start pleading that blood, it brings life. When you start pleading that blood, it restores and it renews that relationship. When you start pleading that blood and speaking of that blood, it, re it renews you, it restores you, it regenerates you. It brings you back into focus of what really matters. We all stand. For God so loved the world <laughs> that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I said, you know the scary thing is? It's not a guarantee. It's not always a guarantee that I'm going to make it. I got I to stay close to that cross. I got to stay clo close to that cross. Got to stay close to that cross. 
We don't like to carry a cross. But you know what? Looking at it, if I had the chance, I'd be Simon of Cyrene. Jesus, go on and carry that cross and get to a point where he can't carry it no more? Yes, indeed, I'm going to step right up. Knowing now, what I, knowing now what I know, if I could go back in time, I would absolutely carry the cross for the one that was putting his life on the line for me. Oh, that's kind of far-fetched. That's kind of extravagant. That's easy. That's easy to say, preacher. <laughs> you know that's impossible. Yeah, well, guess what? Do it every day. I try to do it every day. Got our own cross to carry. Try to be like him, die daily. That's what Paul said. Precious blood of Jesus, it covers and it protects. It covered and it protected the Israelites in Egypt during the last plague when, when the Spirit of the Lord moved the cross and took the firstborn. But it had to be applied to the lentils and the doorposts. There had to be an application, an application of it. It marks, that precious blood of Jesus marks and it prepares for deliverance. It gets you ready for stepping out of where you are. We don't get good to get God. Physically impossible. We, we, we don't, we're not saved by works of righteousness. We're not saved by our own works. We're saved by just by the faith of God, by justification. You want to know how you're saved by faith? The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Jesus said that if we love him, we follow his commandments. We do as he said and told us to do. That precious blood of Jesus answers the call of vengeance. <laughs> Go back to the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. It answers that call of vengeance. That call, when I've done something wrong, it answers that call. Because there, there's a call of vengeance. There, 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 there's a law in place that's looking for a penalty to be applied, but it answers that call. It answers that call when your brother's done something against you or you've done something against your brother. That, that precious blood of Jesus, for Peter said in verse 2 and 24, he said it heals. Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. But Peter Seeing what he saw, some 30, pinning it some 30 years later, said, by his stripes we were healed. And given that Je Peter was speaking in the past tense of what took place, but Jesus, being God, manifested in flesh. He was and is and is to come. <laughs> Peter was saying, we weren't just healed. It's not just a past tense, but it's a present tense deal. It's a future deal. It's a here and now deal. Not just for physical maladies, but things in your mind, things in your spirit, things in your emotions, things in your past, things in your life. Whatever it is, the blood of Jesus heals all of those things. It redeems. Psalms 103 and 12 says that it removes all transgressions. It redeems. Removes all transgressions when it's applied. As far as the east is from the west. If you could touch the east and the west at the same time, I'd like to see it happen. That's what God said. God said when the blood's applied, it takes everything and puts it at polar opposite ends. God won't even bring it back together. You hear what I said? God won't even bring it back together. It forgives and it gives peace. Isaiah 53 and 5. The altar's open for anybody that wants to come pray. Or you could pray where you're at. The Bible says in Micah 7 and 19 that it washes away all things. 
Matter of fact, it tells us that God puts all things in the depths of the sea. He puts them in a place where he can't even get to them all. <laughs> when I look back and I think about some of the things I've done and things I've said, whew, I'm glad ain't, can't nobody dig them up. I'm glad the devil can't even bring them up. He might remember them, but guess what? He can't even resurrect them. And I'm certainly glad that Jesus ain't holding me accountable for them no more. Last and final scripture, last and final point. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Paul said this. He said, it makes all things new. <laughs> Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Maybe you're in this place today, and you just need a fresh start. Maybe you're in this place today and you, you need a, a, a refreshing and a renewing. Maybe you're in this place today and you've been wearied and you've been worn out by what's going on, by what's been taking place in this past year. And we've let some things go. We're not quite as close to Christ as we need to be or as we want to be. I'm telling you now, I'm here to tell you that the blood of Jesus can fix all of that. The blood of Jesus can bring you closer to Him than you've ever been before. The blood of Jesus can erase all that past and all that fault and all that sin. The blood of Jesus can make you brand new in Him. It can renew and refresh and restore you tonight.